It's fun. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 26 today, and we are here with Mr. Chris Lowe. How are you doing, mate? How's things? I'm very good. Uh, thank you very much for asking me to come on board today. Uh, we're looking forward to having the chat and uh, exploring the topics we have to go through. So, uh, um, yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Cool, mate. Thank you. Um, so Chris is a, is a nutritionist um, and he's someone that I've been I've been thinking about getting on for quite a while because I know in kind of my demographic, I work with a lot of like semi-professional footballers, semi-professional athletes in general. And nutrition is something that like I, I know a lot of guys that have come on board that have basically got to the age of 25, 30 and never even thought about it once. Um, it's it's just been a it's been an afterthought for them. So it's something that can really unlock a new level of performance. Um, but Chris, can, I, can you give us a little bit of a, a background on what you do, who you work for, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you said, <laughs> my name is Chris Lowe. Uh, I have a online nutrition consultancy where I specifically work with athletes called the Athlete Coaching Programme. Um, I basically work with a wide variety of sports within that. Um, all the way through to from team sports, endurance, uh, combat based sports, uh, kind of you name it. I got athletes within that program, um, and then outside of that, um, I work with Wasp Rugby, been with them for about well, four, gone on to my fifth season next season. So, uh, obviously, a large kind of um, large time, large amount of time spent in team based sports there from a rugby perspective. Before that, I was with um, Hull Chaos for four years, so I was with Rugby League. Uh, and then before that, with uh, doing like a little bit of work with like British weightlift, British weightlifting, and so on. Uh, but now also got a consultancy role with Reading Football, being with them um, just to finish my first season, pretty much, uh, give or take a week. And then I'm responsible for mainly like the academies from there, but also uh, the first team as well. So um, yeah, a lot of players do uh, get through from first team to under 23s, 18s, 15s, 16s, and so on. So uh, it's a nice kind of challenge. And also like the, the principles we work off are very much the same, uh, but it's just in terms of how I kind of communicate there is, uh, you know, you're going to communicate completely differently with a seasoned first team uh, player versus a, an under 18s versus a 15s and so on. Uh, so that's a really nice challenge uh, for sure. So I guess... In terms of what I do, I essentially just um, help maximize performance uh, from the nutrition perspective. So athletes can continue to express their skill set, improve work capacity, repeatability, refine body composition. And then I guess, you know, I think when you look at the nutritionist role, you kind of just think of like, right, he just does food, but it's perhaps more of the entire kind of lifestyle that comes with it uh, in terms of sleep, this whole periodized life we work off, all this kind of stuff um so yeah that, that's essentially what i do and again just specifically uh with athletes and athletic population cool quality mate so what would like a what would a standard day look for look like for you if you were walking in the door at wasps uh, one get a coffee <laughs> um no so um so say with wasps uh we have around 45 46 players and what i'll try and do is have like touch points with everyone like or shall we say split the group into quarter and then get through them like every single week so it might be like sort of 10 one week 10 and next 10 weeks and so on so basically pretty much all one-to-ones there's a lot of in like sort of lead sport especially like with rugby there's a lot of like learning to be done in terms of the technical tactical 
all the reviews, all that kind of stuff. So we don't necessarily go down the route of, right, guys, here's another 30 minute presentation that we will need to go through and stuff. It's just too much content in, to pack in within the space of the day. And the days are long enough as it is. And, you know, they're just not effective or valuable. It's just going to go straight over the heads. Um, so everything's done on like a one-to-one basis. Um, we have a large um, sort of focus on in terms of like optimizing body composition. So it complements performance. So we have like our standards within that. So based on I see catch up with a player every month, uh, it is a case of like just measuring, see where they are. Like many clubs will be doing the same thing, like measuring skin folds and things like that. And then based off that is basically just uh, like, right, here's your standards, here's your targets. This is where we are. This is what the roadmap looks like. What do we need to do? How can I help you achieve that? And then obviously then looking at these more of the global kind of performance elements of how's match day nutrition, how's your recovery, how's your sleep, what's your social like, uh, and how can we kind of put everything together so we're still moving it in the right direction. And then, oh, like, obviously you have more kind of, um, shall we say, formalized reviews on a monthly basis, but then it's, you know, I'm always floating around the training ground, just like having a touch point with, a, um, with, with them and stuff like that, just make sure, you know, that everything's moving in the right direction again. You often find that sometimes the most, powerful and impactful conversations you have are just in the just in the corridor just like right how you doing like i'll get all like the reports from games after every single training sessions from the medical kind of side of things like x has had a knock concussion whatever you could just follow that kind of stuff up um and then also work really closely with the um performance chefs at wasps they're absolutely incredible just making sure that what they are providing is the right thing like you know 99.99% of the time is actually awesome uh because you know they they know what the boys need and stuff but I just make sure we have a plan of action for that based on the training day you know is a training session before after what about your mid-morning refueling snacks is this sufficient for that day what about breakfast what about catering away when we have to go to away games what's the standard of food quality like they are they following the menu following up with that and and stuff like that and then um you know, our performance team of Wasps are absolutely awesome from like the, the rehabbers, the SNC, the performance guys, um, GPS guys, all that kind of stuff. So we always like work in tandem just to kind of put everything together and like in this multi-disciplinary team approach. Uh, so after every day, like I'll write a report, give them like an update or I call it the nutrition lowdown. Uh, so they know um, basically what, what's happening, what my touch points with players been like, what the feedback's been, where they're going, who's progressing, who's maintaining, who's regressing. And then um, that filters in into like the SNC kind of reports. It filters up then into the, like, the medical, filters up into the head coaches. And so it's all kind of, um, yeah, starts off with the one-to-ones and then it kind of just spreads outwards from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, nah, totally, mate. That's that's really interesting. Um, and it's it kind of brings me on to what we're going to speak about next. And it's a it's a, a massive contrast from the kind of the environment that you're in with wasps um to kind of what we wanted to speak about today. Cause again, as I talked about, my kind of niche is almost like semi-professional athletes. So um obviously with working with professional athletes and working with semi-professional athletes, what do you what are the challenges then? not having so much control of the variables with semi-professional athletes in relation to nutrition. Yeah. So even with like um, professional athletes, um, perhaps like sort of top flight footballers, uh, Premier League and stuff a little bit different, but especially with rugby um, and with the Academy in Reading, we just really focus on autonomy. 
like making sure they are educated enough and they are self-governing to make the best possible choices because you know i'm not going to be i'm only a wasp like once a week i'm not there handing out smoothies handing out drinks all that kind of stuff it's like right this is the value and the importance of doing this you have to go and do it and if they then apply those practices in the club they're going to do it outside so it's the same kind of thing like whether professional rugby player or semi-pro rugby player footballer like autonomy is still the most important thing like you don't need spoon feed you maybe spoon feed initially so they can feel the benefits of it and they get the buy-in is like okay right i see the benefit now i feel much better for doing this right i'm going to do kind of doing this on my own so autonomy is such a huge thing and sometimes it isn't a case of you know what do you want to do you just decide because sometimes if they don't know they might just say like well i'm going to do this and it's completely wrong it's more a case of like right we have this is the um problem we're trying to solve um there's five approaches to this which one works best for you? And there's like, right, uh, Losey, I like this one. Let's do that. Now they've chosen that. Now they've got responsibility over it and they can implement it better because they, they feel like, right, they're empowered. This is my decision. So it's exactly the same thing. If I'm working with, um, you know, a semi-pro rugby player or footballer through my athlete coaching program, you know, they have to be autonomous. I'm not at the club making smoothies for them or anything. So it's like really big uh, educational kind of push. So they understand exactly why they're doing it. And then, um, yeah, they can, you know, just be self-governing from, from there. Uh, and, that, and that's the most important thing. Like, you know, with the guys you coach, like, we're not looking for a four-week shred or anything like that, you know, where you push really hard and then you don't do it. This is like, right, you know, focus on the nutrition principles, really get a good understanding of it. And then that's you sort of for the rest of your playing career. Like, invest that time in it now, whether it's three months, six months, and then that's you set. And this is why it's so nice. I'm in a lucky position where I do have access to the younger players, the academy players, is that, right, they got more time available than first-team players. It's like, right, you can really get a huge amount of education sorted then. And then it's like, when they're in the first team, when time is squeezed, when content from other coaches is much higher and they don't have that same level of bandwidth, it's just small kind of touch points. So long story short, I guess, autonomy and just making sure they are educated and know what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it, is is absolutely key. Um, And, you know, it sounds a little bit cliche, but, you know, athletes are people first. You know, you have to treat them at the person level, individual level first. They've all got the same stresses. They've still got family. They've still got X, Y, Z issues. You know, we have to still account for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think elite athletes get put up on a pedestal all the time. It's like, oh, they have access to all this like incredible stuff, which they, they do 100%. They are very fortunate with that, but they still got those kind of basic human needs and issues and stuff like that, that we have to attend to first. So it's like, we can give them all the like amazing kind of provisions and stuff. But if like, I don't know, stress is super high and we know that's going to have an effect on sort of eating patterns and behavior patterns, then it's like, okay, we still have to address this human need first because even though the food's available there in the club, they might eat five portions of it or go home and eat shit as well. So it's, you know, it's just um, really building rapport with them, knowing them on like a deeper kind of personal level and coaching them as a person first and then as an athlete second. Yeah. So that, yeah, and that'd be sure. my approach for semi-pro and pro. Yeah, I think it's all too easy to go and slap a, a privileged kind of badge on some of these elite athletes when we forget, like they're going out on a Saturday and playing in front of 
however many thousand people like that's an added stressor alongside everything else that they need to deal with in life so that could also be a, a trigger for any of these kind of overeating patterns um yeah and like with like team selection and stuff as well like if you got say with wasp you got 46 guys in the squad you kind of got your starting 23 and then your non-23 and the non-23 are just competing all the time to get into the starting 23 so it's a lot of competition going in there a lot of stress there am i being selected am i not and then how does that affect the motivation their desire to continually improve like if you're being left out of the starting 23 for six months it's like you know how do you keep them inspired to keep on pushing keep on pushing and it's going back to those kind of basic kind of human needs you know um, so yeah yeah for sure and um, so we're obviously going to talk a little bit more in depth about kind of match day nutrition and match day minus one but what are kind of some of the main things that you will try to educate again let's go specifically around footballers but i know a lot of the same stuff applies for rugby players and um, what are this the main kind of challenges with nutrition or what are the, the first things that you'll kind of go in and target with a with a footballer that comes to you and is 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 knowledge on nutrition is very very limited yeah like we're always going to just try and meet them see with that like obviously we need to look at like you know what they're eating how much they're eating and when they're eating so I'd basically just get them to do like a, a quick 24 hour recall, like just based on what you did yesterday, what you consumed uh, through food and fluid. Can you just write down what you did? And then you can start to see the normal kind of dietary patterns and behaviors. And you can quite simply just pick out low hanging fruit. It's like, right, are you, are you having enough carbohydrates? Are you having multiple protein hits throughout the day? If you're a developing athlete, like, um, so, I don't know, like 16, 17, 18, and so on. Are you having enough calcium in your diet? How are we going to get that in? Are you having the real basics, like, you know, enough fruit and vegetables in, a, in the, over the course of the day? You know, all this kind of stuff. So just I just try and highlight the, the low-hanging fruit and then just put one thing in at a time. The idea is like, right, let's pick one thing, whether it is like, okay, you have two protein hits a day uh, consistently. Okay, how can we get up to four? So we, we first off the bat, like we optimize muscle protein synthesis to support muscle growth and recovery. We know then if we do that, that's going to have, we're going to have enough protein in our diet for immune function and all this kind of stuff. So if you usually, if you fix one, you fix multiple things. So you're just looking at the, the low hanging fruit there um, and then just go. And also what's quite nice for like a 24 hour recall is you can tell how well they are reporting. So you can kind of detect if they're bullshitting you a little bit. You know, if the, you can kind of tell, like, it's like, oh, I had this, like, absolutely perfect diet. It's like, oh, okay. And then if you delve into a little bit more, dig a little bit more, then you start peeling off the layers. And like, actually, no, you didn't do that, did you? Or if they just can't remember what they did the day before, like, it's like, oh, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. It shows, like, right, your level of mindfulness with your eating is really, really poor. How can we increase the mindfulness here? Do you need extra accountability? Do I have to send you a WhatsApp every morning to have breakfast? little things like that and one thing you find in footballers it's incredible it's like they just don't have breakfast i don't know why it's mental it's like you know you got a huge amount of trend band in the morning um obviously you got you go in you got like your prep to train your activation stuff you got your field session which may be one to two hours of variant kind of intensity then you got your gym session and stuff as well you got your robustness stuff and it's like they're having like a bowl of cereal if anything or maybe like a banana into training um it's pretty it's pretty incredible how they think that is like a good standard to operate from um so again it's just picking up the low the low-hanging fruit 
So if that player came to me like, oh, I just don't have breakfast. It's like, okay, why don't you have breakfast? Oh, because I prefer sleeping. Okay, right. How can we find really quick, efficient options to put in there? Then it's like, okay, let's look at your sleeping habits. It's like, oh, I don't go to bed till two o'clock because I'm playing Xbox. It's like, okay, right. Let's address that. What's one thing yeah. to do there? Can we go to bed for 12? So it's just little things. So it's really a case of just doing a needs analysis um, and, and just seeing where they're at. Some players might come to me and have like this absolutely awesome kind of food diary. They've been doing my fitness path for the last kind of three to six months. They're in great shape. Their KPI is on point. They feel great. Performance is good. Recovery is good. Um, and for them, it might be a case of absolutely awesome. Keep on doing what you're doing. Because the most important thing for you now is being consistent of maintaining those excellent standards. Because we know that everyone can perhaps push and have like excellent standards for like four weeks, but then it kind of drops off. Then it's like, right. If you can do that, now the hard work actually starts in maintaining those standards. When that initial level of motivation has kind of gone by, how can we maintain it? So again, it's just it's just seeing where everyone's at. It isn't a case of like, right, let's focus on carbohydrates today. You know, it's just kind of seeing where that, because if you give them the wrong information at the wrong time, then they're not going to be receptive to it. You yeah. know, it's kind of just seeing where they're at and what they feel uh, they need to, to work on first. And sure. sometimes they'll be straight up, just like, right, I need help with this, which is class. Because if they come to you asking for help, then it's like they're going to be far more receptive to the answer. But if not, then you have to do a little bit of a deeper dive and do a bit of a needs analysis for sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. Um, so, well, one thing I wanted to dive into was obviously the nutrition around, around about match day. But I think it's also important to note that um, if you don't have the, the kind of fundamentals in place throughout the rest of the week and before match day and things like body compositions in check, I don't know what your opinion on this is, but is it kind of like the icing on the cake or do you think it's still necessary regardless of what your position is with other nutrition throughout the week? Yeah, they, they both complement each other, don't they? I think this day and age when the standards just getting higher and higher, like everything has to be ticked off. We know that in terms of body composition, you know, it does reflect lifestyle habits to a certain extent. So, you know, if that someone's got very high levels of body fat, um, you know, potentially their eating habits throughout the course of the week aren't as good as they can be in terms of their portion control, their food choices and stuff like that. So that in itself is going to prepare them for match because we know that if an athlete is leaner, they can be more efficient they, because their power to weight ratio is going to improve. Um, they're going to be more agile, acceleration is going to go up, top end speed is going to go up, the repeatability is going to go up, and therefore they are less fatigued in the game, and therefore they can express the skill set right in the sort of dying minutes, which is what we want. So you need to have really good eating habits leading up to a game just to manage and improve body composition. By all means, some people take this too far and get too lean, and that's detrimental to performance for sure. So there's definitely a sweet spot. So we need to be in the right shape for your sport and position. Um, but yeah, there's a, a large emphasis on improving body composition uh, for, for sure. And, you know, as mentioned, it's kind of a reflective of, of lifestyle habits. Like if you're on the piss every weekend, it's like, okay, probably got, you know, suboptimal lifestyle habits to kind of meet the demands of your, of your sport and the level you want to achieve. So it's, yeah, there, there is a big kind of play there. But then in terms of match day itself, um, this is where you can really make a huge amount of strides uh, with performance, both physical performance and mental performance. So a good indication of whether you've got your match nutrition right is that if you can start strong with physical and mentally and maintain that right until the end, right until the 90th minute. Like, can you do what you do in 10 minutes at the same 
like intent and kind of speed at the kind of 85th minute. If you can, like if you maintain that throughout, then you're probably near enough there, actually bang on. But most players will start strong 10 minutes and then they'll flag at 60 minutes, 70 minutes and so on and just go into a hole. I know that then top end speed is going to decrease, acceleration is going to decrease, concentration, all this kind of stuff. So with the nutrition side of things, if you can remain as hydrated as possible and fuel as well as possible, what we've seen in the literature is that like passing speed, passing accuracy maintains, it doesn't drop off decision-making and kind of like that executive function is maintained right until the dying minute. And if you know, if you can maintain your capacity, both physically and mentally, and you know that your opposition are getting tired, that's where you can take advantage of it. That's a huge area to absolutely win. And especially when if like the game kind of breaks up and, you know, there's more opportunity to do this, then no, perfect. That, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to exploit that for sure. And as you mentioned, like the match day minus one is important. Then the match day itself is really important as well. So the way I look at the kind of entire week, we kind of got our performance kind of phase and then we could perhaps got our training week or body composition phase. So it's kind of okay. So if you have improvements in body composition that need to be made, you do that throughout the course of the training week. Then regardless of what your goal is there, whether you need to gain, maintain, or lose, is it irrelevant? Performance phase is always, if you're playing Saturday, it's match to minus one, Friday, Saturday. We always protect that because ultimately the bottom line is, are you performing well? We can think about all the best processes in the world, like are you at the right body composition, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, that's there to complement performance. And what you don't want to do, and I've seen so many people do this before, is that they're still trying to cut calories, match day minus one, match day, to, to improve performance. And it's like, yeah, that's probably not going to be the right thing to do. Because when we are, you know, don't have adequate carbohydrates on board uh, and we don't have enough energy on board, then that's going to be suboptimal for performance massively. So you kind of got this push and pull. It's having clarity of the week, like, right, I need to push Monday through to, or Sunday through to uh, Thursday or something like that where to improve body composition or maintain body composition. And then we go, we pivot straight into match to minus one match day. This is preparation. That's the only thing you're focusing on. And then you back on in terms like your normal sort of lifestyle eating habits to support body composition. Yeah. That's I, the way I typically kind of view it over the course of the week, that periodized week. Yeah. That was something I had a, a massive kind of problem with like three or four seasons ago where I was really desperately just trying to get, as you would call it, shredded. Um, and yeah, really just like low calories on that Friday night, going into a game on a Saturday and then the breakfast would be small and I'd be like, right, okay, this is what it takes to lose body fat, Ryan. But I'd be going into that game and literally sitting there wondering why I felt like I was running on sand. And I was like, I yeah. could not move. There was no explosiveness. I was slow. I couldn't jump. Um, and it was, I was shooting myself in the foot. Um, and I just wish I kind of knew these kind of these the kind of way to go about it that you kind of talk about now. Um, and again, in, in my kind of league at that semi-professional level, like there is so, so many guys, as you say, expressing skill up until 60 minutes and then they fall off a cliff. Um, and it's just, I think within my team anyway, I think it's gotten better because I've almost been spreading this kind of stuff about. And just as simple as a, a look is it at half time or something like that it's just like come on you're just missing yeah. out on just so many benefits here 100 mate 100 and when it comes to the body composition side of things like the whole idea is like 
right, do it once, do it right, like get in shape and then stay in shape. So you're not kind of, you know, and it comes back to that consistency thing. Like there are most players will kind of get into relatively good shape throughout the course of the season, perhaps have like an unsustainable kind of approach or like poor relationships with food and shall we say quote unquote dieting. But then off season comes in, they go on holiday, they pack in loads of weight, they try to get it off throughout um, pre-season and then they're back in exactly the same spot when it comes to the season itself, instead of making progression year and year, they're just like undoing all the shit they did in off season because the eating habits and behaviors were poor in the season. So idea is like get in shape once, uh, get good, build really good lifestyle habits around that so you can maintain it. And therefore there's, when you go in off season, there isn't this kind of like deprived kind of feeling that you need to kind of go absolutely crazy and you know all-inclusive 10,000 calorie challenges per day type thing you know um so therefore you can get back in the preseason, not have to cut calories too aggressively you can fuel your sessions really well you can perform to your best of your ability then and make actual better improvements with the technical tactical because you're not running through sand and then you know that ties then into the season itself you're, you're just maintaining and then going into the uh, master minus one match day uh, approach for sure and a really kind of key thing you said there in terms of just describing how you felt is kind of just running on sand. You need to feel bouncy, that spring your step. If you go into a game, bouncy, spring your step, and you can maintain that 90 minutes, like you're gold. That's what you want. Yeah. Like in terms of your key performance indicator, that is what we're looking to achieve here. Anything that is sub is subpar from that or south of that, um, we, we've got some work to do there and that could be massively improved through nutrition and it's i don't say it's an easy fix but it's, it's quite a straightforward fix for sure it just comes down to are you eating the right foods are you eating the right amounts at the right times yeah cool mate and so can we now almost break down the the preparation in match day minus one and then the nutrition around about our match day and um, to start off with before we even think about looking afterwards and um, i know that's quite it could go into a lot of depth here but um <laughs> in a bit yeah, cool. Um, so I guess like when people start thinking about fueling for matches, um, whether it's football, whether it's rugby or whatever, they are most likely to come to me right at the start and say like, right, Chris, Lozy, uh, what do I eat before a match the best fuel? And it's like, right, we perhaps don't need to be thinking too much about the three hours out kind of meal, like the pre-match meal. That doesn't have that much benefit there really because the most of the benefit is done the day before. So I matched the minus one. So we know that we store carbohydrates in the muscle, the liver, and in and in the blood, right? Primarily. Now we know that when exercise intensity increases and the duration increases, the more carbohydrates we are going to use. And um, we know we know they're just going to deplete. So we know that with a 90-minute football game, those stores within the muscle are going to deplete about 50%. In rugby, because Libra's more start-stop and it's a little bit of a shorter game, they deplete about 40%. Now, we know that when carbohydrates deplete by 50% within the muscle, the muscle can't contract and produce the same amount of force. So essentially, that's where, if you say between 50 and 100% topped up, you have a spring in your step, that bounce in your step. If you hit around 50% level depletion, that's where the muscle can't contract the same way. So you lose that spring in your step. If you hit about 30% depletion, that's where it's called like sort of hit and wall, should we say. So we know that we need to start with the tanks 100% topped up, 
uh, because in a space that are 50, 90 minute game, they're going to deplete by 50%. So rugby, it's about 40%. So if you don't have a, a good carbohydrate load the day before, if you do not ensure the tanks are topped up going into it, and say, for example, you start at 75% full, this is where you can get through the first half an hour and not bother. Like you're going to have enough in the tanks to get through half an hour with shit nutrition. But it's kind of what you do at the back end of the game is, you know, that will start to deteriorate because you haven't done enough work to eat in the day before. So it's a really quick, um, easy fix for me when the player says, right, Chris, Losey, um, I lost that spring my step in like the 60th minute. It's like, right, what you do the day before? Because that is basically what, what we look at. Because what you eat the day before is going to massively impact how you feel 60, 70, 80 plus minutes. So this is your carbohydrate loading. Um, in terms of the amounts in football, we're looking anywhere between six to eight grams per kilogram um, of body weight. Uh, in rugby, it's around six. So I'm just going to do easy maths as a rugby player. Say you're 100 kilos, that's 600 grams of carbohydrates in you need in the day before. And you're not just having, oh, I'm going to have a, yeah, I'm carb loading, going to have a bigger evening meal. It's like, no, no. It's a bigger breakfast, it's a bigger lunch, it's a bigger evening meal, it's bigger snacks. You're going to massively and significantly increase the carbohydrate content on your diet that day. So you wake up in the morning with your muscle glycogen levels fully topped up. And, you know, it's not, it's not a hard approach. Like you sit down and you just eat carbohydrates the day before. You know? <laughs> um, because what I often find is that a lot of players would kind of acknowledge the need to get a lot of carbohydrates in, but they'll just eat normally throughout the day and then they'll start eating more for the evening meal. And then they become too full. They can't get enough carbohydrates in or if they just try and force feed themselves awake wake up the next morning feeling really heavy, bloated, and therefore they don't have breakfast. So you have to be really proactive and start eating more carbohydrates as soon as you wake up so you get um, your total daily intake in. Now, a question I would guess is like, okay, if I'm coming off the bench and I'm only playing 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, do I need to carbohydrate load? Yes, 100%. Because if you're on the bench and um, someone comes off with an injury in the first five minutes, like we had an um, example on the weekend, one of our loose head props had a head knock um, four minutes in and we had a loose head prop having to do 76 minutes. Uh, you know, it's like, if he just thought like, right, I'm just going to do 20 minutes today, he would be ruined. Because, but because he kind of knows this, he has the rationale and the professionalism to kind of acknowledge this could happen. He put in his 700 grams of carbohydrates the day before, and he played 76 minutes at a weighing 132 kilos. Like that's a good shift, you know. So it's kind of like always make sure you get the carbohydrates in. If you only then play 10 minutes, you have to then pull back carbohydrates the, the next day. So then you're looking at the perhaps the 72 hour calorie balance instead of just the the, the day itself. So yeah, carbohydrate loading is is absolutely key to make sure you start the make start the day match day fully topped up like then all you're doing on game day then or match day is just staying topped up you load up the day before you top up on match day and this is just a provide enough carbohydrates to support any kind of movement i you you waking up you get into the training ground or sorry to the to wherever you're playing so you're just kind of supporting any kind of fuel and demand there but what will drop in the night is your liver glycogen levels so liver glycogen levels support like blood glucose concentrations and, and stuff like that. And that will drop because when you're sleeping, uh, they'll yeah naturally reduce overnight to kind of uh, do kind of the, the odd job around the body. I provide glucose to the brain and all that kind of good stuff. So we just need a little bit more carbohydrates in the morning to kind of replenish that. And then all you're doing then is just topping up 
uh, throughout the day going into a match. So if you've got a three o'clock kickoff, um, what I typically do is just play the law of halves. So I've spoken about this a few times, is basically have perhaps kind of three feeding uh, windows, like six hours out, three hours out, 1.5 hours out. So you start with the biggest meal, six hours out, then you have the portion three hours, half again, 1.5 hours out. So what we don't want to do is, and again, I see this a lot of, lot of people will do this, put so much emphasis on the pre-match meal, they tank in a thousand calories plus in that pre-match meal and have fucking lasagnas, all that kind of stuff. And they feel so heavy, so bloated, no spring this up, and they just feel sick all the time. So we want to go into the game feeling light and tight. So the muscles are full, but the belly is empty. And that's how we kind of feel at our best, right? So if we start six hours out, big meal, then three hours, 1.5, it just gives the body enough time to digest that food and absorb most of it uh, as best they can, really. Um, so that's the whole idea behind it. And when we think of match day nutrition, we, want, we don't want to go too, if you think of what's the, the main principles and priorities, is fueling, right? So we don't need to go super high fat. We don't need to go super high fiber because what do they do? They slow down gastric emptying, so digestion absorption. So that's going to have, that's going to cause to have more food in the gut when you start a game. We don't need to go crazy with protein because you're not looking to drive adaptation or recovery. Might put a little bit in there because just from like a familiarity perspective, like if you have a bowl of pasta and it's just pasta and there's no protein in it, like chicken or something like that, then it's just a bit of a weird meal. Um, and then, yeah, we just want to try and avoid like red meat like that morning as well, because red meat is just hard to break down and digest. So you might kind of look at like um, a breakfast, if for like a 3 p.m. kickoff, breakfast, six hours out, I would typically go with something like uh, pancakes, overnight oats, you could do scrambled eggs on toast, bagels, that kind of stuff, like quite substantial. Um, then three hours out, your pre-match meal, might really simple, like a lean protein sauce, like chicken or turkey with some pasta and some pasta sauce no veg, no nothing like that. And it's quite a small portion. And then all we do now, 90 minutes pre is just a little bit of a top up. So I could be like uh, a cereal bar. You know how much I love my Rice Krispie squares. Uh, the legacy will continue. Something like that in here, some fruit or something like that. Just a little bit of a top up. But we know that by the time you get to the, like an hour out, 90 minutes out, the fueling is done. That extra top up snack, an hour and a half out, is just there to keep you tight over, just in case you're a little bit hungry. Because sometimes just the sensation of hunger might might make you think like that voice in the back of your head like oh am i in the field so sometimes you just need a little bit just to, to quieten that that kind yeah. of voice so that's the way i'd, I'd typically kind of uh, approach it and then in terms of the the major thing then is um obviously the hydration side because when we think of optimizing performance it's right do i enough have enough carbohydrates in the muscle and do i have enough fluid on board so again we think of this in terms of preparation the day before we don't necessarily want to wake up overly dehydrated. So be proactive, start hydrating the day before, focus on hourly rates of fluid intake. So your drip feeding, use that drip feed analogy. So maybe three to 500 mil per hour or something like that. And just be proactive just every kind of hour, just get a little bit more fluid in. What you don't want to do is get a four or five, six o'clock at night, realize you haven't drunk anything, neck two, three liters, and then you just end up peeing most of it out. So your actual hydration status isn't actually that much better off. So obviously you retain some of it, but not maximally. So we're just trying to be really proactive and be hydrated as possible. Then the morning of, then it's like, right, let's continue this approach of drip feeding. Because again, you don't get a, an hour before kickoff, neck loads of fluid, it's going to slosh around your stomach and you can feel awful. Drip feed fluid, and then maybe just taper that off, maybe 
an hour before kickoff and just kind of just sip the thirst then. So you're fully carved up, you're fully hydrated, and there's nothing heavy sitting in your stomach. And then that's the the preparation going in into a kickoff then. And then in terms of supplements before, um, like I talk a lot about like nitrates, uh, so like you beat it short and things like that. They essentially just help improve oxygen delivery to the muscles under anaerobic conditions. So when you're doing those repeated efforts, um, you know, when you're going to get into like that oxygen debt, it perhaps just delays that a little bit extra. So the way we do this is just do a little bit of a nitrate load. So we're carb loading, so we put a nitrate load in there as well. So 400 milligrams of nitrates in the AM, PM. So this is like your typical nitrate shot, uh, your, so your beetroot shot. And then same again, three hours before uh, kickoff as well with the pre-match meal. It takes about three hours for nitrate to get converted into nitrite and nitric oxide. So I uh, give it about sort of three hours there as well to, to, to do his thing. And they're like the, the main things we look at. And then supplements wise, pre-match, you can look at if you're sleep deprived, 10 grams of creatine 90 minutes before is usually a very beneficial one, especially if I uh, got players um, just like say traveling, young family can't sleep or just nerves and can't sleep. We know that under periods of sleep deprivation, creatine pools in the brain will deplete. Um, so therefore, higher amounts of creatine, about 10 grams, will replenish those stores and therefore you have better cognition under sleep deprivation kind of periods. Um, caffeine is obviously a really good one, but you very much have like an inverted U. If you take no caffeine, don't get a response. Then you've got that sweet spot, which is about three to six milligrams per kilo. Then if you have too much, is very ergolytic where you feel ner- nervous, anxious, nauseous, you're just in a quite a bad place. So you need to experiment with the actual amounts to find our sweet spot. Um, then rest after that is very much a case of, yeah, just make sure we've got enough carbohydrates, snacks and supplements to get through the game, which, um, yeah, we can cover into the game day stuff uh, in a second, if you like. But does that make sense in terms of the approach yeah. before? No, mate, that's quality. That's it. That's so it's going to help me as well just like rationalize this to a lot of my athletes and to just a lot of guys I play football with and something I kind of joked about on one of my podcasts before was the fact that I'll used to see a lot of guys going out like at the fancy breakfast places before games and it was like eggs eggs benedict eggs royale with like this massive latte and I was like oh no like you're either going to be shitting yourself 30 minutes in or you're going to be complaining about a sore stomach and every single time it was just oh I don't feel too well in the warm-up and I'm just like bashing my head I'm like come on um but yeah it's just you just need to know you just need the education and when you can almost rationalize it with yeah passing accuracy later in the game is going to be better mental clarity is going to be better the actual ability to repeat sprints is going to be better it's like oh okay why have I not been doing this for years um and it's just such a massive easy win really it's like say I don't know if um you you have like sort of coaches obviously like observing all the players and stuff they might think like ah. Uh, X player is not looking fit today. Like, why is his fitness down? And they go to S and C staffs like, oh, how many high speed meters did he do? Has he done? Now, what's his training like and all that kind of stuff? Where then I might go and have a chat with them, and they're like, oh yeah, I had this for breakfast. I'm like, yeah, that, that's exactly why you looked unfit for that day. Your your actual fitness adaptations are fine. You are fit. You just eating like a kid. Like, stop doing that. <laughs> you know, um, and therefore. Uh, you can, yeah, like I mentioned, express your skill set right at the end of the game when it probably matters the most when everyone else is starting to get a bit tired. Sure. So how about moving on to like the, the next phase? So obviously like during the game and then afterwards. Yeah. So uh, when we think of during, it's just trying to maintain 
those base kind, baseline kind of values as best as possible. You're trying to maintain homeostasis as best as possible. Obviously, you're not going to be able to because the demand of whether it's a football game or a rugby game is really high, but you're just trying to offset dehydration, offset depletion. And it's basically just using that same drip feed analogy of putting carbohydrates in there and putting fluid in there. Um, and major thing is, is in terms of personal preference, like what are the players like consuming at that time in terms of their taste? Um, how does it sit with them? Because we, what we don't want to do is uh, cause any unwanted gastrointestinal issues. I someone having to run off to the toilet 20 minutes in because they feel like they're going to shit themselves, you know? Um, that's what we do not want. So the basic approach I'll do is um, got your warm-up, get through your warm-up, start hydrating, electrolyte tab in there, stuff like that. Between warm-up and kickoff, you have like an energy gel. And then throughout the first match, whether it's rugby game uh, or football, the only time you have an opportunity to get fluid and carbohydrates on board is stoppages in play, which rugby, there's a f- quite a few more than um, football, but they're very few and far between and you can't predict it. So what I suggest then is um, you kind of got three options. The best choice in terms of beverage drink is an isotonic sports drink like Luxate Sport because you've got carbohydrates, electrolytes and fluid. That's perfect what you want. Some lads, though, they just can't stomach it. Uh, they just feel like it's it's too thick, it's too viscous, you know, um, or it's a bit sticky. So then it's like, okay, drop the carbs. Let's go for elect- electrolyte tab with some water. If they still can't handle that. Let's just get some water in you. So you kind of got that kind of priority there, like the hierarchy, what's going to be best for you there. Um, so just try your best throughout the first half to get something on to offset that level of depletion and dehydration. Halftime, however, is a key opportunity to um, replenish to a decent extent. So this is where, yes, we're looking at a bigger carbohydrate hit and getting enough food on board. Uh, NG gel halftime is pretty much a non-negotiable. We get that in and then sipping on like Luke's Ace Sport or something equivalent, like an isotonic sports drink is going to be absolutely key. But you don't want to just neck 500, 500 mil of Luke's Ace Sport because it might just sit quite bad in your stomach. So again, drip feed it and try and get as much in, but don't force it because if you end up, being, end up being sick, then you end up losing more than you put in. So it's kind of futile, right? What we use uh, now is uh, we're sponsored by SAS and we use these kind of beta fuel gels or beta fuel jellies. Um, and they're basically the double carbohydrate content of a standard gel. So you can get a huge amount of carbohydrates in and uh, without any kind of gastrointestinal issues. Because what you're ideally looking for is about, yeah, 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour that you're playing. So, you know, you're looking at maybe 60 to 90 grams uh, of carbohydrates throughout the course of the match. And if you can get maybe 10, 15 in in the first half, 10, 15 minutes in the second half, then you have to do all the heavy lifting um, at halftime. But obviously not putting so much in that because you've got issues. Um, when it comes to kind of 60th minute, if there's an opportunity, you get a gel in. If there's an opportunity, that is. So we'll have like gels in like the fizzy bag or along the sidelines and stuff like that. Um, in case they just need a little bit of a little bit of a top up there. So that's a nice opportunistic kind of period there. Again, it's going for that drip feeding kind of uh, analogy, just trying to keep up with fluid and carbohydrate provision. What we do then at halftime, uh, which is quite popular, uh, is use caffeine gums. If you feel like you just need a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost, sometimes a little bit of a placebo thing. Uh, but we know that if we take caffeine in the form of a powder, uh, a drink or a tablet, it's going to take about 45 to 60 minutes to kick in where a gum is going to be about 10 minutes. So in that sort of halftime kind of period, 
when it's sitting down, so start chewing on this gum. And then you're going to have an extra kind of boost for the uh, second half then. And so that's the way we, we kind of do it. It's very much a large focus on fluid, large focus on carbohydrate provision, and then a little bit of a carb, uh, caffeine top up if, if we need so, if we need to then. But if they could do that, then that is, that is absolutely sweet. And again, what you have at halftime is going to impact what you do at 70, 80 plus minutes is going to be absolutely key, okay? So uh, just that one strategy alone, like if you do nothing, um, but just put a Luke's A sport in at halftime or gel, you'll see significant improvements in performance, both physically and mentally. Because again, if your blood glucose drops, you have less carbohydrates, glucose available for the brain, and therefore that's where your decision-making starts to go down, right? So even at like complete rest, the body needs about, sorry, the brain needs about 130 grams of glucose per day the increased kind of brain activity, i.e. competition in the heat of battle, that demand's going to increase. So if you're not putting enough carbohydrates and glucose in, um, or just carbohydrates in general, and therefore glucose availability is limited for the brain, that's where you're going to make, um, yeah, like just dribbling issues, passing issues, all that kind of stuff. So that, that is going to be absolutely key as well. And then um, post-game, before before the boys get on the beers, um, <laughs> we know that in the first kind of three to four hours after any form of depleting type exercise, whether it's football, rugby, endurance sports, uh, we get accelerated rates of glycogen replenishment. After this first three to four hours, glycogen replenishment drops off by about 50%. So the idea that textbook sports nutrition is put in about one to 1.2 grams per kilogram of carbohydrates every hour for three to four hours. So what we typically do is as soon as they come off the pitch, here's your carbohydrate drink with uh, protein mixed in with it. Um, and maybe have like a yuzu with it as well. That's going to generate about hundred grams of carbohydrates, what they need. And then they go for a shower, stuff like that. The next one then is like, right, now you're going to go for your um, post-match meal or something like that. Then if they're traveling away, they can have snacks on the bus on the way back. So they're really maximizing rates of replenishment straight after a game. But what you find with a lot of players is that the appetite is so blunted. We know that as an association with heightened lactate levels in the blood and suppression of appetite. So that could be a main driving thing. Also, when you're exercising really hard, there's more blood in your muscles and less in your gut to support digestion. And that could blunt uh, appetite. So then it's like, okay, if we can't get, uh, we know this is a really important period to get carbohydrates in and so on. But if you can't eat your calories, you have to drink them. That's where we go for more recovery shakes continue using them um smoothies are going to be really popular as well and then when you're thinking of food just make it as palatable as possible like in the change rooms uh we have pizzas like it's high in energy high in carbohydrates loads of sodium in it and if they've been playing you know 80 minutes 90 minutes they burn probably excess of a thousand calories and then you add it on the warm-up and the way we eat before game, that law of halves, there isn't actually that much food there. Mm. So they're going to be in a quite a decent net deficit at the end. So let's just put a pizza in there, but let's put something really palatable that they can get in. Because if they have no appetite and there's like, I don't know, chicken rice or something like that, it's like, that's not going to be appealing. They're not going to have it. And that is actually going to be, even though on paper might be the better option, in reality, it's actually the worst option if they don't have it. Mm. Um, so just putting something like that in there, no, obviously not having like a three and a half thousand calorie large Domino's pizza each. They have like the small ones or a couple of slices, you know, give them like five, 600 calories, just something there just to get some energy on board and to just support the, the fueling, uh, refueling kind of process there. Yeah, and I then, think, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, the main the main kind of challenge with obviously the semi professional level is the it's just the the lack of anything. It's more just a okay, finish the game. We're over to the boozer. We're having a pint, and then the first actual bit of food might be, I mean, a mince pie, and literally that's it. And then the next thing's not for like the next three four hours until we're we're out and about again, um, and then there's always kind of that reported, like if we're training on a Monday, it's our oh, legs are still sore, still not feeling quite ready. And it's just a, a simple little thing, like a, as you say, like a Yazoo after the game, just go and nail one of them, just get some carbohydrates back into the body straight off. Um, it could be more beneficial than you would, you would ever believe if you didn't really understand this kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's just really important to almost rationalise to the, the semi-professional level. Like it doesn't have to be chicken and rice. It does not have to be, quote unquote clean it can literally just be get some pizza in you just get some food get some carbohydrate in you and it will benefit you on monday you'll be feeling much fresher a hundred percent and that's a key point you put there is like like players will rock up on the monday and they still feel really tired fatigued sore from the match on the weekend and therefore that is going to massively impact their performance at the week because if then like they can't have a productive training session until wednesday it's like maybe get one productive session in a week and then you're preparing for the game like on the weekend. Like it's a pretty bullshit kind of approach, isn't it? So the more you can get in after a game where the body needs it to kind of replenish and repair, the better you're going to present on, on Monday and therefore have a more productive training week. And the more success, more sessions you can successfully complete, you're going to get better at your sport, right? You know, yeah. you know if you complete more sessions at a higher quality, you're naturally going to get better if you have to miss 50% of the sessions out of the year because you're tired or you're sore, it's like, well, you're actually just, you know, stunting your development, aren't you? Um, and it's an interesting kind of study when you look at um, in this kind of recovery period, uh, when you had, say, like sport-specific kind of recovery drinks like Luke's Ace Ball, there's like re uh, recovery kind of protein powders in there, all this kind of stuff. When you compare that versus a calorie carbohydrate protein matched uh, McDonald's, um, recovery was exactly the same in terms of rate of glycogen replenishment and subsequent performance. Uh, I think they did like a few hours after that, like five, six hours after. So it just goes to show that, you know, it doesn't have to be like the boring stuff after a game. You can be a little bit malleable in your kind of decision-making process here, uh, but you just have to have something there. You have to be proactive. You have to plan and have something there. Uh, because going without if you just have like uh you know diving into the services and getting like a little meal deal you know is not going to be sufficient enough is it yeah. um so they can definitely plan for that a little bit better and what you what you usually find quite nice as well it ties in with the social um not necessarily going on the piss and just necking like 10 pints um but if they do want to go have like a meal out a pizza like go and get some burgers and stuff like that you know it can support recovery okay and because it's such a high demanding day um you know and a calorie expenditure is so high it actually naturally fits within the calorie budget pretty well um because what we typically find is that sometimes if they don't get enough in after a game then on the rest day they are absolutely ravenous and they end up overeating anyway so therefore that one day where they may be burning i don't know two and a half thousand calories to put in four thousand calories yes they have an increased kind of calorie demand just through muscle recovery and repair but it's like that's like five percent at most not 1500 calories at most so it's worth just spending more time investing more time um getting your post-match nutrition right because then the next day you're not gonna be as sore and then the next day you're back into training and you're pretty fresh 
So one question I did have for you as well. Um, if someone listening to this was pretty new to all this kind of stuff and they were now thinking about moving into this Saturday, going to like implement a, a carb load and they were going to get their look as aid, they were going to get all this kind of stuff set up for the game, would you recommend they go kind of all in with those high numbers or would you reckon there's a good, it's a good plan to almost go in with slightly lower or what was your opinion on that? If you're carb loading, just, just go in, just dive in. Um, yeah, I just dive in. Like what, what you could potentially do is do perhaps a little bit methodical. So for next um, match day or match day minus one, just get out like my fitness pal or start reading food um, labels, like how much am I actually having, how far am I off target? And then the next week I'll put a little bit more in or you can just jump on it straight away and just put in those higher numbers, six to eight grams per kilo. Um, I typically just go for the higher end all the time for uh, carb loads. Like carb loads are dependent on, you know, the kind of calorie intake over the course of the week. If you've been restricting your calories and your props go into carb load a little bit depleted, you need a little bit more carbohydrates on that day to just to fill those tanks. If you have a really, really hard training week and you're pretty depleted after that hard week, then you need to probably a little bit more as well. But I just don't think like taking chances, just go to the higher end. Rugby players, six grams. Uh, footballers, go eight grams and, yeah. and you'd be absolutely sweet. Um, and if you find like you wake up the next morning and you feel like you overspilled a little bit, then we find because as cliche as it is, everyone's a little bit different. So learn from the experiences on that day and then for the next week, either add more in or reduce based on how you felt. Yeah. But in terms of um, like one plan of action, like if they were, if they were to do anything different, is just put more emphasis on that carbohydrate load. And when I talk about carbohydrate loads, like some people just think like, oh, it's a, I don't know, a little bit of a cheat day or something like that. And they end up having like, whether it's pizza or if they have bolognese, which is great, but they put in like two kilos of cheese on it or loads of lasagna, like loads of cheese and stuff. That's when calories are going to get super high. And some footballers, if they have a game every week or even two games a week, and they're overspilling their calories by such a high extent every single match to minus one, that's going to adverse effects on body composition over the course of the season. So for match to minus one, we keep protein roughly the same. Yes, we push carbohydrates up, but we'll have to pull dietary fat down uh, so your calories don't go too high and you don't spill over too much. Uh, and by default then, if you typically will go for a lower fat, higher carb approach, that'll just help improve uh, your food choices as well. Yeah. I think this is something if you're kind of coming into the end of the season as a semi-professional footballer, professional, amateur, whatever level that you're playing at, just moving into next season, implement this. And honestly, it's you don't want to overplay it and say it's magic, but it almost is just like a massive difference without having to really do anything crazy. You're just going to eat a little bit more um, on match day minus one. Um, and the, the changes in your game overall could be huge over a full season. It could make could make a massive difference. It could be the difference between you moving up a level. It could be the difference between 10 goals and 20 goals or so many, so many massive benefits to this. Yeah, uh, 100%, without a doubt. Um, I always like the quote, um, Professor Ron Moran says, he says, I'm going to try not to butcher it, but a sort of a good diet will make an average athlete elite, but a poor diet will make an elite athlete average. So if you know, like, you got really good skill, skill levels, you're a really good footballer, 
but you can't turn up as you want to on match day, then it's your nutrition. Let's pay a little bit more attention to that. And again, when it comes to different areas of like athletic development, you got like the nutrition, the psychology, the SNC, rehab, prehab, all that kind of stuff. Like over the next kind of few months, just pick one area, like, and then just go all in with it, learn it, however way you want to do it, implement it, refine it. And then once you've got like a happy kind of blueprint to work off, then maintain it, go into the next area, look at psychology, mental preparation for a game, spend time in that, invest time in that, learn it, move on to the next one. And then maybe over the course of like three years, you come back to nutrition. What's changed? Do I have to refine anything? Have my standards slipped here? So that that's the way I would typically do it. And that's the way I kind of talk to a lot of players about it as well. It's like, right, let's just spend the next few months. Let's go all in. Let's just make sure we're fucking A1 by the end of the three months or six months, whatever it is. Depends on how much work they need to get done. And then, right, we'll park it. Just focus on maintaining it and then explore something else. And then over time, in terms of this athletic development plan, you're putting together a pretty full and complete performance model. So it's just almost asking yourself, like, where's my low-hanging fruit? What am I leaving? What potential am I leaving on the table? Address that one first. Incredible information, mate. Incredible. Um, so, mate, plug yourself. Instagram, <laughs> podcast. I really do enjoy your dedication to education on a Wednesday, mate. I've taken a lot of, away from that. It's a really good way to be able to just, like, take these pretty complicated studies sometimes and just make them easily easily digestible. Cool. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, Instagram is the best place to get hold of me. Um, so, Crystal Nutrition or the Athlete Nutrition Coach. Uh, any questions, anything I can help you with, just uh, drop me a DM and happy to just uh, chat with you through that. Um, look at my services more at crystalnutrition.com. And uh, also my podcast is called The Average to Elite Podcast as well, where I offer like more education and inspiration and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned through my social media, my Instagram, do a lot of uh, education on the Wednesday called Dedication to Education Wednesday, where I pick various kind of research and I try and just uh, break it down into its most practical and useful form. Uh, so therefore you have something to take away and apply and uh, ultimately improve performance in some way, shape or form. It quality, thank you very much. I um, appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and there's been so much to, to take away from that. So, mate, thank you. Thanks once again. No, absolute pleasure. That, that, was, uh, that was good fun. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris.